I'm Savitra Wilson, and it's my pleasure to introduce you to my podcast, From Solid Ground to Resilient. Welcome back to From Solid Ground to Resilient. It's been a chaotic march, but I'm super excited about some big things coming down the pipeline. There's always a lot going on, but even in the mainstream media, there's always so much going on. Just last week, I saw there was a lot of discussion around Kanye West becoming the wealthiest African-American in history with an alleged net worth of $6 billion. I believe it. Net worth isn't just money in the bank, but the calculation of all your assets, which can also take into account the valuation of your companies. Last week, I had a good friend on, Bima, who led global product marketing for Adidas, and that included Yeezy at the time. He talked about feeling like Yeezy could be as big as Jordan's, and they would go on to see it grow to $1.5 billion in less than two years. He was like, every day he would look up like million sold. It was crazy. So I believe Kanye has definitely gotten the bag, and irregardless of my feelings on how Kanye has moved, uh, whether that was his feelings with Trump and the presidential election, running for office, a whole bunch of stuff, you know, you can't take away the genius that is Kanye West from just five years ago being $40 million in debt to being now worth $6 billion. Something I talk about in my upcoming book is building wealth creation. I've been investing for years into companies and projects, but I'm actually newer to investing in the stock market. Now, I kind of take the Warren Buffett approach, I feel like, with stocks. Um, When asked why he didn't invest in technology stock, Buffett famously replied that he didn't invest in companies he didn't understand. When people tell me I should have invested in crypto years ago or insert whatever popular thing that is blowing up right now, I think back to this statement. I try to make good investments, but I also know I won't be everywhere at the same time or at the right time as everybody else. So I never let FOMO make me move on something I don't fully understand, even if it's a fast learn. I invest in opportunistic things, certainly, but I also bought Celsius stocks, which is that uh, energy drink made in Miami because I like drinking it. I bought Peloton stocks because I bought a Peloton bike and I love the workouts. My brother said he once walked into a food spot years ago and thought the food tasted really good to be a quote unquote fast food joint, but he had never heard of the brand before. He looked it up and purchased some stock. That company became what we know as Chipotle. Uh, It would grow significantly over the next years, as we have seen. Um, Buffett said in his documentary, he bought into Coca-Cola because he loved drinking Coke. So if you're thinking about what to invest a couple of dollars in when you're talking about stocks. I would say look around your home, look at your daily habits and what people are discussing in general conversation around you and perhaps start there. Now, Buffett would go on to admit that maybe his initial thoughts might have been a bit of a mistake, but I say he did pretty well. My point is don't let FOMO have you making not so good business decisions. Um, I'm not a capitalist, but I do believe that money does give you the type of power that not having it never will. Now, it's up to you what you do with it. A lot of people have not done good things. You know, I can't speak for them. We often talk about things that you can do with money, right? And we overlook this. When we say, oh, you know, self-care, you have to have self-care. You have to ensure that you're prioritizing yourself. But a single mother... Telling a single mother to practice self-care and prioritize her well-being is a lot harder when she's trying to figure out how to pay her light bill, how to keep food on the table. You know, things 
you know, need money, y'all. We, we kind of need some money out here to do the things that we really want. And we shouldn't overlook the privilege that even what we have has afforded us. So there's having wealth or building wealth, and then there's just basic financial stability. And I think that's what we really are talking about here. So my guest this week is my sister friend, Ashley Fox. Um, Ashley is the founder and CEO of Empify, a company that creates financial education programs. So we weren't just talking about wealth and finances for nothing. Um, And she creates events that educate and empower people through financial literacy. She's also the CEO of Wealth Builders Community App, a private community of 900 plus people learning how to build wealth. If you follow Ashley, you will often see her talk about everything from stocks to investing your 401k to giving advice for newbies trying to figure out where to start. So without any further ado, welcome my next guest, Ashley Fox. All right, everyone, welcome back. From solid ground to resilient, I have a very special guest on uh, my sister girl, Ashley Fox. Uh, she is a Philly native, a Wall Street uh, veteran, uh, a Howard alum. When I think of when people say, started using the word black girl magic, they were referring to Ashley. And I'm so happy that she could be on the podcast this week to just talk about not only what she's building, um, the community that she's building around wealth creation and financial literacy, but, you know, also what's next and what does she see as an outlook for the Black community when it comes to building wealth? Ashley, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm doing well. I am doing well. Uh, You know, I already told you that when I was thinking about who I could bring on to talk about just building wealth, financial literacy, and I definitely wanted it to be a Black woman just because I always feel like a lot of times like men are positioned to talk about wealth creation in a way that we aren't often position. And I was like, oh, Ashley's going to knock this out the park because this is what you do. This is what you like (laughs) live and breathe. So I would love for you to just kind of kick us off by telling us a little bit about your background and where you got started. So I'm originally from Philly, went to Howard University. So my ultimate goal was to make a lot of money and wear nice clothes. And I knew if I wanted to make a lot of money, I had to major in the subject of money. And so went to Howard, had four internships. Three of them were at Wall Street investment banks. Started to make Wall Street money, realized this is where I need to be. I want to be in New York City. So graduated, landed my dream career working in asset management. And ultimately what I did was work with individuals who we consider ultra high net worth. So if you had at least $25 million or more, my team and I would help manage your money. And so within that experience, I saw the ins and outs of what wealthy people do. From where they're spending money, where they're investing money, how they avoid paying taxes, where they're traveling, what they're reading. And I really got immersed into that lifestyle and into understanding the thought process of people with money. However, coming from Philly and growing up in a middle-class household, people thought I was rich. So because I was making six figures, I was traveling, I was wearing those nice clothes, people had a different perception of what true wealth was. And I realized there was a disconnect. I would say about eight, nine months into my career, I realized that this isn't really what I like to do. I think I structured my entire life to be on Wall Street, but I also had the desire to be the client. And if I stayed in my Wall Street job, let's say 10, 20, 30 years, I would have never been in that position. And so ultimately, I realized I needed to create something to create and have the type of wealth that I saw. You had to either invest in your own idea or invest in somebody else's idea. 
at that point, I had no idea. I just had this desire to bring financial education to the world. So I ended up leaving my Wall Street career, not knowing what I was going to do or how I was going to do it, but I also knew why I was going to do it. And I felt like we're something we're using every single day of our life. Why isn't it taught in our school system? You shouldn't have to major in finance, work on Wall Street to learn how to invest money and build wealth. And I wanted to be able to bridge that gap. Became a financial advisor when I left my Wall Street career, targeting low to moderate income people. However, I'm sure you know, running a business, you don't make money every two weeks when you're first starting out. So I was conditioned to think money's going to keep coming. You know, I quit my job. This is when like entrepreneurship was like beginning to be trendy. So I had this quitting my job brunch in New York. Like I'm never going to wear stockings again. And I just was excited because I was going to be an entrepreneur. And I realized that that thought process wasn't aligned with my belief in what I was doing. So became a financial advisor. Um, still, I was getting clients, but I was just figuring it out and I ended up losing everything. So I got evicted from my Harlem apartment, maxed out credit cards, negative bank accounts, and I had to go back to Philly. Um, and that's where I built my company, Empify, which is a word empower and modify merge together. At that time, it was just a word and a feeling, no revenue generating. I was this financial advisor trying to figure that part out. Um, and I would say, well, it's been seven, eight years almost yeah. from when I left my Wall Street job. My entire life is different. But Empify at this moment has grown into an edtech startup that focuses on providing financial education tools and resources for adults and children. So we have programs within the prison system, programs in the school system. We're now in Atlanta, Philadelphia, as well as New York. We just launched our Wealth Builders Community app, which is like the finance, the Netflix of finance, where you can get access to financial tools and resources because you shouldn't have to have a lot of money to get exposed to how to make money, how to invest money, how to manage money. You shouldn't have to grow up with a lot of money for your dreams to be fulfilled. And so I wanted to be able to bring the Wall Street education, the Howard education, all the experience that I've had being in the financial industry and give it to people who are intimidated, people who don't know where to go, but have a, de a desire to obtain information, but also those people who don't just want to listen to big words and, 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 and big numbers, those individuals who want to start small, but build big, but don't have the tools and resources or the motivation to be able to do it. Absolutely. So you said something really powerful um, about who you provide your tools and resources and your tech to, and that was also to people that are in prison. And that's so powerful to me because I remember we were meeting for drinks in New York um, one time, one evening, and you had, you were just coming back from a prison and you were talking about, I would love for you to talk a little bit about your work there because we don't even think about how do you make, give access to everyone? When people say everyone, Sometimes they're not thinking about people who are in prison who are going to be returning citizens and also looking for jobs and also looking to provide for their families. I would love for you to talk a little bit about that. So I think, so when I thought about giving financial education to the world, there was no color, there was no gender, there was just the people that were not in that 1%, which was 99% of the population, right? There was more of them than those ultra high net worth people, right? And I felt like, Whatever, there was a point where I was featured in the news and I got really freaked out. And, and then I was like, what my, I first, I write for Forbes now, but I was a writer for Black Enterprise. And when I was offered the opportunity to be on television, to write for these publications, I was freaking out because I didn't really quit my job to be this front facing public figure. It was like, hey, I always wanted to be a teacher anyway. How can I give the world what I have that I know they'll never get? And at that moment when I was on TV and I actually liked it, I realized that I needed to allow the universe to use me in whatever way possible. 
And so I would I never thought we were going to be in a prison system. Um, but I, we received an opportunity and it was like, how can I not be in the prison system? And so um, funny, I remember our conversation too. And so being in a prison system was a very daunting experience, but also the most impactful thing I've ever done. What the prison, being in the prison system, what it actually allowed me to do was to understand how America was a well-oiled machine. Because by that time, I started out working with ultra high net worth people. I've been in some of the worst public schools, both middle school and high school. I've taught in colleges. I've worked with low to moderate income adults. I've worked with adults on welfare and I've been in the prison system. So I see how there's a cyclical cycle of generational poverty, but also not just from a financial perspective, but from a mental perspective. Mm -hmm. And I can see how those feelings, that energy, those con that conditioning is passed around through all types of people, specifically in the black community. But so being in a prison system, it, 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 it was really great because I went in knowing that these are just human beings, right? Again, it's not about color. It's not about how much money you do or do not have or your gender. I knew that you wanted to learn how to build wealth. And I know you have never seen what I've gotten exposed to. So how can I find creative ways to bring that information to these individuals? Um, but it was just different. I mean, there were times where I walked out in tears because I felt defeated because it gets to a point too, where it's just like, this is, this is bigger than me. No matter what I do, there's always something that's stopping the, the progression, the economic progression of those in the prison system, whether it's how they're treated, whether it's how they treat each other, whether they're locked up and go back home and they're not able to survive in their neighborhoods. And so for me, I just felt like more than just giving financial education and in all honesty, in the black community, we just need love. Nobody's there to tell us that you can do it. Nobody's there to give you the tools and resources because everything that we teach at Empify, you can Google it. The real question is, why is it that you have access to this information, but what is the mental barrier that is stopping you from going after the information, implementing the information? And that's where the empower part of Empify, because Empify is the word empower and modify merge together. It's not about money. It's about giving you the information, yes, but also the, the inspiration to push you to go do something more. But what happens is when you get the information, you get the inspiration, it creates a change, which is where modify comes from. And so for me, I spent more time empowering in the prison system, strengthening individuals in the prison system and loving them because I felt like there was nobody in that space that loved them more than me, but I didn't look at them as prisoners. I look at them, looked at them as individuals who just didn't grow up in the right situation, but it didn't mean they never had the desire to create a different situation. And so after a while, I was like, this is too much for my soul. I, I, I didn't like how they were treated, but I did know that, hey, you can build something phenomenal in a culturally relevant way to empower these individuals, to give them the tools and resources they need so that when they are out of the prison system, they can actually implement the things that you're teaching them. Because if you don't need a credit score to invest. You don't, it doesn't matter if you're a prisoner or if you're not incarcerated. What matters is you have the desire, the education to make a change for your family's legacy. And that's what I want to create. Absolutely. I think about um, just the whole process of financial literacy and what you just said, it's not about it existing in the world. You could Google it. It's about how you deliver it, right? Mm -hmm. And how people receive it. That's going to actually make them want to make a change and to begin this path um, to having just a better life. Because that's what it breaks down to. Like, how can I create this pathway to a better life? Um, now, we talked a little bit about um, Empify and we talked a little bit about um, your Wealth Creators community, but 
how does someone get started? So if I am um, interested in kind of being a part of your community, what are some of the things that I can expect? And um, do you essentially take in people who are at all different levels of their financial journey? So I would say our core focus, if we're strictly talking about adults, is targeting those individuals who want to learn how to invest, may have never done it, or have started, but still don't know what they're doing. And so I'm kind of like the investing 101, 102. I'm not a stock guru. I don't sit and read the financial news all day, every day. I study more of how to educate and connect with people so that I can effectuate change in people. And that's what I'm good at. Ultimately, what would happen is, is you would say, because you, the reason the Wealth Builders community was created is because I started out as a financial advisor, but I can only talk to so many people on a daily basis, right? So how can I massively reach the world because the world needs this education? So then I started to create online courses. So people started to take our online classes. And what would happen is, yeah, you took a class, but I'm fighting up against you in 20, 30 plus years of conditioning. One class is not going to change your mentality. It's not about me showing you how to invest. It's now making investing and wealth building a way of life because that's how wealthy people think. They're not just focused on spending. Yeah, they may spend, but legacy is on their forefront. Avoiding taxes and, and, and maximizing their returns is what's, what they're focusing on. How they can have their money working for them is what they're focused on. That is a way of life. And that is why there's generational wealth that's passed down because it's not because wealthy people are just passing down money. They're passing down habits. They're passing down a thought process. And so ultimately, it's not just about taking a class. You have to change your entire mental design. So ultimately, what we do is we, we show you how to unlearn and then how to relearn so that you can create the life that you want. Because you don't know that you spend money the way you do or you max out credit cards the way you do. You don't know that that came from how your mother and father raised you. It's a subconscious action that is now occurring. And you think I'm a bad person or I'm in debt. No, this is a generational habit that is passed down. And the thought process and the feeling of, hey, I can't have or, hey, I can't do, that's not you talking. That's literally you talking because nobody was there to redefine how you could create your life as a child. So the Wealth Builders community was a way to provide that solution. Like, hey, we have to create an environment where you are constantly reminded of who you are and what you ultimately need to be. Because when you step outside the Wealth Builders community, I'm up against your television. I'm up against your family. I'm up against your social media accounts. I can't compete with that. So I have to be able to build a, a, a dynamic community filled with people who are just like you. Mm-hmm. The chances are, if you're trying to build wealth, it's, you could probably count on one hand, if you're just starting, how many people want to take that same route with you, right? I think as you evolve, you start to attract people just like you. But just starting out and you're still scared, you're not surrounded by people uh, who are going to, who are like who you want to become, you're more so surrounded by people who are exactly like you or who you used to be and who you're trying to leave behind. And so we created the Wealth Builders community because we needed to create an environment where wealth building was the topic of conversation. Like you're not allowed to say broke in our community. You're not allowed to doubt yourself. You're not allowed to say this is a stupid question because we want to cultivate a safe space where you don't feel judged, but love and supported. And so ultimately when you join the Wealth Builders community, the membership community, my recommendation is to get an annual membership because when you get an annual membership, you get more of a private chef experience. So what happens in the Wilfredis community, just imagine, like I said, the Netflix of finance. You can go through a plethora of information and get access to different classes, tools, and resources, and then you can choose. It's like a buffet. You can choose what route you take. You can choose the classes that interest you. Whereas with our annual membership, it's more of a catered experience. There's a step-by-step game plan 
of where you should go, what you should do to help you get through that. Hey, I'm not an investor. I want to start. How do I get that account open? What are the best apps to use? How do I decide what a stock, what stock to buy? Well, then it's like, okay, what's the mutual fund? What's the ETF? We ultimately created an environment that gets you through the door. I think specifically the black community thinks you have to be a Caucasian man in a trench coat in order to be an investor. Like, because that's what we're used to, we don't identify with that. Our children identify with athletes, identify with celebrities because they can see themselves in those individuals. When ultimately we want to redefine how people perceive wealth in their life, helping you recognize that wealth doesn't have a color. But what we do is we give you the confidence to say, hey, stand up tall and walk through that door because you deserve to be in that room. Once we get you in that room, you start to see, hey, there's a lot out there for me and you don't need a lot of money to invest. You can start investing with $10 because there are accounts in place where you do that. But a whole lot of $10 is worth a whole lot more versus you never doing anything at all because you're letting your thoughts frighten you and your thoughts dictate your, your uh, direction. And so my recommendation is getting an annual membership because it gives you a more structured experience. We give you a weekly group coaching, but ultimately every week we're doing classes, we're having discussions and I would education. I think the biggest thing is there's almost a thousand people from, from 38 different States across 10 different countries who want to build wealth like you. And I think that's, what's missing in the black community. There's not a, not a, enough people on your timeline talking about growth talking about change. I think we're, our, our hearts are filled with a lot of pain, rightfully so, but it's really hard to, to create change if we're always focusing on what's hurting us. And right. I want to create a space where it, let's talk about how we can maneuver through a system that was ultimately built to suppress us, but there are people that can win in the system. Let's learn the rules of the game so that we then can create our own game and we can thrive within it versus accepting this country for what it is. Absolutely. So we have all been uh, seeing the memes about the stimulus checks hitting, right? <laughs> <laughs> the stimmies, the stimmies, you know, and even I posted a meme and I don't even get a stimulus check, but I just think it's like hilarious. Um, and I've had so many people hit me. I was like, oh, I'm going to take this money and I'm going to start a business with Or, Samisha, you know anything about NFTs? No, I do not. I do not know anything. <laughs> Please don't ask me anything about it. Teach me something, but I don't know enough to give you any informed advice. Um, do you have people in your community coming to you saying, okay, I'm about to get this $1,400 should I invest this money? What should I do with people are talking about putting money in crypto, you know, because you're hearing everything mm -hmm. that's like hot right now. Uh, do you see people in your community coming to you asking, are people communicating about like, okay, we have the stimulus check. Some people are paying their bills with it, but some people are like, mm -hmm. okay, this is unexpected money that I now have to do something with. Right. So I think just based off of everything that I see in the app, we create a dynamic where one, my community is not dependent on me. You might find a new person coming in like, Hey, what you think about this stock? And it's like, Hey, I'm 32 years old, single. I got a, I'm an auntie and travel the world for a living. Cause I can work from anywhere. My goals are not the same as yours. So for yep. me to tell you what to do with your money, that's actually doing you a disservice because it's biased based off of how I want to live my life. Right. But what we do is create a dynamic where we challenge your thought process. And one of the things I learned teaching kids in the school system, school does not teach you how to think, right? You go to school, you're told what time to show up, what classes to take. Then you go to college, you have a syllabus to follow. When you enter into your adult life, you don't even know how to think. The only thing that guides you as an adult is your goals. And not a lot of people don't have that. And so what we do in our community is challenge you to think. Like I'll post in an article 
Oh, interesting. The, the day that they announced the stimulus bill got passed, the market went up. So instead, so I wrote, I literally posted something like, hey, while some of you may be getting a stimulus check, that's great. Money that wasn't yours that you're having coming in, absolutely. But let's focus on how this impacts the entire country and how it can impact your actual net worth. Because what's happening is these people are getting money and they're putting it back into the economy. You know where they're putting it? Back into those companies that you own. So start to think about now that the economy is bouncing back, who can you ride the wave with versus just thinking about who you can spend the money with? No, mm -hmm. who can you own? Because the companies that were once struggling as a result of a stimulus check, not everybody in this world, I mean, we got almost a thousand people. It's just us right now. We got a whole world out there that is not even been able to internalize what we're learning. So let's think smart here. Well, yes, you can take care of your bills. You can do whatever you want with your stimulus. Are you winning right now in this process? Because the wealth gap got bigger during the pandemic. People yeah. made a lot of freaking money. My portfolio is up over 150%. While the news is telling you the world is falling apart, that's not the case when it comes to wealthy people. They're looking at it as an opportunity to win. So look at the opportunity. Yes, the world is getting a check, but how can you win right now? What companies, I was, I'm, I'm planning a trip to go to Miami and all the hotels were like sold out. And I'm like, well, yes. isn't, it, isn't it a big and the lady's like, well, this is also like spring break time and like people are, but people are excited to now travel. And it's like, well, okay, well, the airlines that was once suffering, those largest airlines, over time, they're going to bounce back. Hotels are going, so start to really think about that because a lot of these companies cost less than $1,400, cost less than $200. So really start to think, hey, I have this money, take care of your responsibilities. If you want to go blow something, go blow something, but really start to think, you spending that check is making another wealthy man rich. So you want to know how to rich stay rich? Because we are we are on Instagram posting memes, and they were all hilarious, all of them hilarious. But in all honesty, the people were the individual were trying to become when it comes to building wealth. They're not getting stimulus checks. Yeah, they're benefiting off of the country receiving them. So which side of the fence are do you want to be on? We understand where you may start. But you want to get to a point where you owe taxes. So they can't give you extra money because you owe taxes. Get in that space because that is the, the wealth building mindset you want to have. And so I think in our community, we're, 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 we're in, we're, we meet you where you are, but we also talk about where you need to be. Mm -hmm. in, a, in a way where you don't feel ashamed, hey, let's talk about the similar checks. So like now I'm like, hey, the checks are coming in. Let's talk about what you guys are doing with it. And there, and, and it's like, so some people will say, I'm investing it. Cool. What are you buying? Tell me why you're buying it. Right. Sell me on why this stock is something you want to buy. Don't ask me what to buy. Sell me on why you want to buy it and why it's going to take you to the next level. And so I think we kind of, we the social media platforms. Like we know when we come in, it's not just about business. It's about a, a, a shift in a thought process. Yeah. So more of a dialogue, more of a like, hmm, I never thought that maybe I keep buying Nikes and Nike's earnings just recently came out. Let me see if they're making money. If not, why? Let me really start to act like I own these businesses. Because it's not everybody's not going to run a business, but it doesn't mean you can't own stock in other businesses. Mm -hmm. And um, I saw you post some gems around Jay Z, who basically I don't know what he trying to buy or why he. <laughs> I know. I'm like he trying to buy a franchise or something. I don't know. Jay Z has been definitely selling off his uh, companies or portions of his companies as of late, and. Um, you had dropped some just gems about what people could learn from that. So I would love for you mm -hmm. to share a little bit about that. Yeah. So I think, so ultimately the way I describe how we give culturally relevant information 
is I take what you love, what you do in your daily life, and then I find a message, right? Because the same thing that a Jay-Z is doing is the same thing a Warren Buffett does, right? But our kids don't care about Warren Buffett. Like Warren Buffett is the medicine nobody wants to drink. Jay-Z is the sugar in the Kool-Aid that everybody loves, right? So the way I describe it is we first give you sugar. So let's talk like about, that. you know, what, what you like. And then I'm going to give you the medicine you need that's going to strengthen you as a person. And it just so happens that there's actually a lot of people like Jay-Z. They just don't make the headlines. Yeah. And it's just that, okay, let's talk about But in all honesty, if I'm going to teach in a classroom, kids told me uh, recently that Jay-Z is old. And I'm like, you must be old. And they're like, we don't miss him. Now find me a new Jay-Z-like person because kids are connecting with Jay-Z. You know, like, so it's really starting to think about how can I meet you where you are? And I think a lot of finance people, they tell you what they want you to know. Yeah, I want you to know what a stock is. But when I'm going to teach a kid in the Bronx, I'm saying if Cardi B was a stock, would you buy her? Tell me why. Is she a short-term buy or a long-term buy? Like, <laughs> hey, a stock is like a slice of pizza. Like, because there are ways to create a narrative around things in order for people to, to remove the bar to ease their way into it. But I think Jay-Z is a phenomenal well, me personally, there is like a personal connection to Jay-Z because he moves just like how all our clients on Wall Street did. He does the exact same thing. But what's most dynamic about Jay-Z that he gets a lot of slack for, which is understandable coming from the eyes of a hurt African-American, is Jay-Z doesn't see wealth as color either. At the end of the day, who cares if yeah, like if you're white, you're black, whatever, if it's aligned with where I'm going, then we can talk business, right? And so I think specifically if we're talking about the title deal, like what it was created for was to support those artists. What I also love about the title deal that there are a lot of artists that invested in title. So he opened that opportunity, hey, we may be spending money, we can make great music, but talent only lasts so long. Mm -hmm. Ideas is what creates true love, either your own or somebody else's. So hey, celebrity or musician, you're great with this talent. You may not have learned business, may not be surrounded by those same people. Let me show you the blueprint and here's what the wealthy people are doing. Because in all honesty, what turns a millionaire to a billionaire is not the stock market, it's private investments. But I can't get our community to say, hey, go dump a quarter million dollars in a business because you're considered an accredited investor or something like that. We gotta start with dumping $25 in a company. Because once you're trying to realize the value of a business and how a business can grow your net worth, then you'll start to build your wealth to be able to enter into those type of deals where you can do crowdfunding, you can invest in somebody's startup. But we got to get the community to stop spending, let alone get them to enter into a business. So why not own stock in companies that you know? But the reason why I also love Jay-Z's movement is because it's very strategic. He, he's, he, he values ownership and we don't value ownership. We value consumption. And while we may say it, we don't live it. And I think he's a pure definition of let me get my foot in the door where I can make decisions. Let me get my foot in the door so I can build wealth with America, not against America, where then my wealth can then be passed down to create the legacy for my family. And I think if we get out of the, the thought process of being angry and figure out, hey, without that Brooklyn Nets stadium, which was ran by, I think, the Russian guy or owned by the Russian guy, mm -hmm. this, you can't go to that stadium and not think of Jay-Z. And he owned less than, what, 1%? But that brand is the reason you show up, which made that man money. 
Yeah. But it also made Jay-Z money. So in this case, everybody wins. I think in our community, it's just like, you lose, I got to win because I've been losing for so long. But we don't own enough to make those decisions. So we have to be very strategic and like, hey, how can I get what I want out of this deal? And, and if you win too, that's great. But sometimes others have to win so that you can win as well too. So mm-hmm. partnering with with uh, Dorsey on on purchase. Well, first of all, I don't even know what's about to happen, but the fact that Title and and, 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 uh, and Square are connecting gives me the idea that artists are now going to somehow make money because at this point, they're not making money off of it. Yeah. But again, not enough Black people have built the Square, but we got to produce enough of the Jay-Z so they can have 600, 500 million of cash to be able to build that next Square. But And so I think, hey, while we don't have a lot of black CEOs or these black startups or these black billionaire businesses, we, we have to align with other businesses in order to cultivate that, that wealth that we're looking for. And I think it's very strategic. It's not coming from a place of anger. It's not coming. I'm trying to put you down so I can win. It's just like, Hey, Dorsey, you may not be an African-American. You may not be a rapper, but I like what you've got. And I know that it could help both my community as well as myself. win. And I don't think us as a black community can thoroughly see that, because it does look like all he see is green. But in all honesty, who were who was popping bottles in the club? Americans, it was a black owned business, right? Who who was listening to title? Whose music is on title? A lot of our rappers, a lot of our musicians, who's now gonna monitor who also invested in title with Jay-Z? A lot of our musicians. Who is Rock Nation for and support of? While yes, he's the leader in it, yes, he's making money in it. It's not like our culture isn't winning because of it. Of course, he can't change the whole culture, but he also can create a blueprint because, again, take it from somebody who literally every day for three plus years of her life, this is what wealthy people do. And so if this is the game we want to play, you got to start to think and understand, not run against it or or push against it because it's something we're not used to. We got to run towards it because, again, we got to unlearn our thought process. What we have been taught is to go to school and, and, and get a job but get the job to pay for school to then buy a house, which makes the bank more money to then get a credit card, which makes the bank more money to they say, pay hey, all those student loans <laughs> in the process. Right. And, and to make the bank more money. So it's like, that's how America's banking system was designed and why and it, it worked because that's the majority of America, but that's not the route you have to go just because someone told you. And it's not the route you have to go just because it's what everybody else is doing. What if you are that unicorn? What if you are building that company? What if you are thinking different? And sometimes it's really hard to do that if it's just you doing it. And I think our Wealth Builders community is is there to say, hey, it's okay to think different. It's okay to want different, even if outside of these these four walls of this Wealth Builders community doesn't represent that, it doesn't mean it's possible. So I personally think my evolution as a black woman and my brand is important because if any if you don't see anybody doing it i need you to mm-hmm. see ashley fox doing it and so i'm very firm and i don't teach anything like how you were saying like nfts cryptocurrency uh, maybe i'll get into it but i'm not about to read a book and just teach it because it's what you want right. to hear like i'll stay in my lane i'll continue to teach my kids teach my adults what it is that i know but as i grow i'm going to educate you when I buy my first property, best believe Empify is coming out with a class. But I want to be able to show the world, hey, I'm, I'm on this wealth building journey with you. I haven't figured it all out, but I'm going to be just as transparent as you need me to be so that you have a little bit more belief in yourself as a person. Now, when we first started talking, you said something that was so important because I think that 
so many people feel like, oh, in order to build wealth and make money, I have to be the CEO. And you were like, okay, you have to have ownership either by creating or building a business or by investing, right? And Mm -hmm. I think like that's really powerful because so many people are cut out to be an entrepreneur, right? Some Mm -hmm. people are like, I have friends like, look, it ain't in me. It ain't in me. So what do I need to do to build wealth outside of that? And that's what, that's a part of what you are teaching and um, really creating with your community is the idea of ownership, whether or not you are the CEO or not. Um, right. And we see, you know, I think I was like, man, I should have invested in Adidas. You, they, they're basically, I don't even know mm-hmm. where they're, where they're trading right now with Beyonce, Kanye mm-hmm. just came back. You know, they just had right. the article with Kanye now being the wealthiest black African-American ever. Um, mm-hmm. And primarily off of Yeezy. And my guest last week, um, Bima, a college friend of mine, he was the global product lead for Yeezy. And he said that he had never seen anything like it before. He was like, you could just, the millions were just coming in like day after day after day after day. And in less than two years, they took that brand to $1.5 billion, like Mm -hmm. the fastest growing sneaker line since Jordan. And we think about the people who are pushing this. We see the Ivy Park, the Icy Park selling out, you know, Mm -hmm. Another hit for Adidas. And I think about how do you get ahead of the hype though, right? Like how do you get ahead of the hype or do you just look at, um, you look at what is out there and see what's trading well, whatever, and invest. So that's something that I always think about, like how do you get ahead of the hype? But even Tesla, there's always been hype around Tesla and people's like, well, if you would invest in Tesla two years ago. And I think <laughs> like two years ago, Tesla was like still hype, but today it's like on another level of hype that has right. reached social media. And so I think about that, like how do you get ahead of the hype? So I think, I don't think it's about getting ahead of the hype. I think it's about being consistent with being consistent because if you are an investor, you think different. You like we we're, we're teaching our community how to buy REITs, right? Cause everybody wants to own real estate, but not everybody has great credit or thousands of dollars to do it. You can own stock in a company that builds man and, and, and owns these commercial properties. Like the largest mall operator in America isn't owned by one person. I'm a stockholder. I'm a shareholder of Simon properties. Right. And I collect dividends because they pay out cash flow. Right. So it's not always about being ahead of the hype, but it's about changing the thought process around it because sometimes hype is hype, exactly what it is, right? But it's also, like I said, being consistent with being consistent. It's about being an investor. So just think about you, right? You look, you, and I know you had walk into a business and I envision their operations. I envision who's leading this company. Oh, they got great customer service because you think like a business owner. You can't walk into a business and not think like that. It's the same way as an investor. I can't walk into a building wondering, is this a private investment or is this owned by a REIT? Let me go look up this property, right? And that's where the opportunities come. Reading more, that's where the opportunities come. They don't come on your timeline. Warren Buffett is not on Instagram trying to find the next up and coming company. That's what we, but that's what marketing does to you. And it's just like, sometimes hype, it's hype for that moment, just like mm-hmm. a rapper is a, is a popping rapper, but doesn't last that way forever. And so I think it's more about understanding the business behind it, right? While Tesla may be hyped up, Tesla might just be getting started. Exactly, so I right? <laughs> I wanted Amazon stock when it was 800, and I'm just like, this is just so high. I'm not thinking like, 
Well, Amazon isn't going anywhere. So I actually ended up buying Amazon at $1,500. And I was still pissed. And granted, I more than like doubled my money. But at the same time, what I think I get is give me some more shares of Amazon because I feel like they're just getting started. And so it's not always that we missed the boat. It's not like the company is about to fall off the face of the earth. Sometimes the company is just getting started. Also understand too, with the Jay-Z, Jay-Z and Beyonce and the D's, Beyonce told you a long time ago, pay me an equity. She now knows if my brand is attached to you, you're going to make millions. That's fine, you can cut me a check, but you cutting me in a check is an expense on your income statement. You would not cut that check and have an expense if you didn't think that expense would raise your revenue. Therefore, you want your bottom line to be stronger because of me. I need to be a part of this whole company. And I want to own, pay me an equity. Don't just give me a check. Let me have stock in this company because mm-hmm. your net worth as a company is going to, well, in this case, valuation as a company is going to increase. I need to increase right along with it, right? And so I think same thing with with uh, with um, with uh, Kanye West, right? But if even if we just take out ourselves personally, look at what they did, right? A company invested in them which grew that company's valuation. What if you own stock in that company? You don't gotta be the Beyonce. You don't have to be the Adidas. You don't have to be the Kanye West. What if you just bought stock in those companies of which was at the time, I'm, I'm not, well, I know Yeezy, Yeezy, their stock has been tremendous since. Yeah. I remember All-Star Game when Yeezy's like first, first came out. But it's like those stocks, that stock was less than $200. How many times have we spent more than $200 on a pair of Yeezys, right? And so I think it's, it's, it's taking a step back to not focus on hype because when you're hype, you're 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 racing. You need to be calm as an investor. You need to think strategically as an investor. Okay, well, let's look at the revenues of these companies. Let's look at what they're spending their money on. Because at the end of the day, you're not buying a stock price. You're not buying hype. You're investing in a company. You become part owner. And I always do this with people. If you were to invest in Empify, because there's hype around Empify, what would you want to know about my company? Just because everybody loves Empify, does that still mean you should be an investor? What do you want to know about Empify that would make you say, hey, I'm worth, it's going to put, I'm going to put money into this company. You want to know if I'm profitable. You want to know where I'm taking this company. You want to know who runs the company. You want to believe in the leadership. You want to know if we've been profitable in the past, where are we going? Like whether it's Adidas or Beyonce, Yeezy or whoever, it's still a company. So you got to treat it the same way. And I always tell people too. Treat your investment. I always just like to add a one or two zeros after it. So while you may just be starting with $50, it doesn't seem like much. But what if it was 500 that you were investing mm-hmm. in that company? What if it was 5000 You would treat it differently. So treat yourself differently, no matter if it's something small you're starting with or something big, because you'll give that company a certain level of respect, a certain level of dedication and research. If it was 50000 you were putting in, why treat that 50000 any different than $50? Because at that moment, your some some rich person's fifty thousand is equivalent to your fifty dollars today. Treated the exact same way, and so I think hype is good because it, it it's like hey, I never thought of that. But let me go deep because most times when people are hype, it's a trend, right? Mm-hmm. Those companies Tesla is Tesla, but the time I bought Tesla when it was a hundred dollars a share pre stock split back in like two thousand and twelve. I had just heard of the word Tesla, right? But I believe all cars are going to be ele- electric. I was working on Wall Street. I was hearing all the things about it. So let me just start with 300. 300 turned into over 12,000 because I waited. I waited eight plus years. And it's like no job, no school, no credit card, no degree can give you that ROI. But I didn't buy it because it was hype. I bought it because I believed in where it was going. And sometimes you have to take that opportunity as well. But I would just be cognizant because we live in a world where 
hike is in the palm of our hand, the, the companies that nobody is talking about, those are the companies you should start listening to. Just, if everybody in the black community is talking about it, but everybody in the black community is not an investor, why would I listen to you anyway, right? Yeah. So I think it's, it's taking the hype, inhaling it, breathing, and starting to look at things from a, tr- a strategic standpoint as an investor. Building wealth is having a lot of money generation after generation. We're not in a game of having a lot of money right now. That's being rich. It's great to be rich, but it's even better to be wealthy. Rich does not last. Wealth is generational. And that's the game, especially if you're black, that we should be playing because it's not about me. It's about the generation after this Fox last name. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's the generation after generation so that my kids, 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 kids don't have to build this big old company like me and figure out how she's going to pay her bills and get kicked yes. out of apartments. Like, no, I want to be like the Walton family. We get mad at people because their daddy gave them money. That's how my kids are supposed to be too. Why are we Thank mad you. <laughs> We're trying to build the lies to pass on something, right? I think we get, like, we get mad at a lot of stuff. Like even the conversation around normalizing uh, black women enjoying luxury things, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, that, if the people can afford to go out and get right. this and get that, then they should be able to. But particularly I feel like sometimes in our communities, we actually like, oh, we put them in like a different box or say they're not humble enough or say this or that. It's like, okay, if that person can afford that. Then they should be able to live the lifestyle that they want to live. And so we right. definitely have to just get out the box all over the board there for sure. Yeah, um, I, think, I think it's just driven by pain. You can't be yeah. happy for someone if they're, you can only give the way I describe it is like, if I have an orange and I squeeze it, right. What's going to come out of the orange? The juice. What's gonna, what kind of juice? Orange juice. Well, why is it banana juice? Why isn't it pineapple juice? Why, why, why is it orange juice? Cause you squeeze it an orange, ma'am. <laughs> That's what's inside of it, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so what happens is if our former president tweets something or something happens in the news and you get angry or your boyfriend pisses you off and you're sad, it's not your boyfriend, it's not the president, it's not the news that made you angry. It's what's inside of you that's mm-hmm. coming out. What we need to do is release all that's inside because what's inside is pain, is anger, is frustration. You can't, if there's no happiness inside, how could I ever project happiness on anybody? So I think specifically in the black community, it's about recognizing that what's inside of us is is pain, is angry. So why would we love luxury anyway? Why would we support anybody living in luxury when I can't do it? But Mm -hmm. if I'm happy and I don't care about luxury or if I have my luxury, it's easy for me to be happy for somebody else. And I think it's just us being aware of those those feelings that we invoke and those those comments that we make, where is it coming from? Why are we, we have no reason to be angry at Jay-Z. Jay-Z didn't do anything to anybody. Yeah. He's just living his life. Doesn't he have a right to live his life? He doesn't owe anybody anything. He just wants to go live in his, his old LA place and spend his millions. Wouldn't you do anything? You don't owe anybody anything, but I feel like because we're hurt, we feel as though someone owes us something. We yes. feel as though the government owes us something. But in all honesty, we didn't need anybody to validate us in the first place. And I think if we recognize the anger that's inside and, the, and what we're projecting, we'll then realize maybe I've got some healing to do. Why am I so angry that every time I see something on social media, I feel threatened, I feel frustrated, I get mad. That's just what's inside of us. We love those people for who they are, but it doesn't mean we have to surround ourselves around that. And I think when there's more joy inside of all of us, We'll, we'll live a more joyous life. Oh, I love that. I love that. That's a great way to end that. Um, <laughs> so to kind of wrap up here, one thing that we didn't talk about is that up until this date, now we don't know what's coming next, 
But up until this point, you have bootstrapped your business and your company to get it to like greater heights. Um, we always have a mix of people who have bootstrapped, raised capital, uh, but would love to for you to just talk a little bit about bootstrapping company and bring it to date and some just advice that you would leave for others who are trying to do the same. So I think seven years, well, Amplify generated its first piece of revenue in 2017. So technically, I feel like I've been in business for a little over three years. Um, I think I'm in a different space at this point. Um, took me a while to get here. I think this is the first time I treat my business like a, as a CEO. And I think there's a big difference between being a founder and a CEO. A founder hustles. A CEO delegates. A founder is just grinding when a CEO is thinking strategic, right? And so I'm now in the middle of both. I'm hustling and I'm trying to delegate. I'm trying to do all the in, in, inside the business, but also work on the outside of the business as well. But I think I got to this point because my level of belief grew in Ashley just a little bit more. And there's a different level of respect that I have for my business, but there's also a different level of respect I have for Ashley. And so I think those individuals who are bootstrapping, it is possible. Um, I do think there is this fad around raising capital. Like people yes. just think the first, I build a business, I got to raise capital when it's just like, what if you could do it on your own? And so just interesting, I was just recently talking to my boyfriend and we're like, we're like at the point where we're sending out like million dollar proposals. And I remember like, this is the honest to God truth. I was like typing like on a calculator, adding up the, you know, how much it was going to cost to facilitate this deal. And when I saw like 600,000, 900,000, I got scared. I wanted to lower my price because <laughs> I was, I was not used to seeing that much money that easily. Right. When it's just like, hey, isn't this what you've been doing the whole time to do this? So I go tell my boyfriend, oh, he's thinking about, well, I'm thinking about your valuation of your company. Now you you make this and you do this. It's possible for now to you to raise this and how you'll be perceived. And yes. So I think I'm in a space where I can get investors, but I also want to be in a space where I can tell anyone, an investor or anybody, this is where we're going to be in the next five to 10 years. And I have, I have the data. I have the yeah, to be able to back that up. And I think when you bootstrap, for me personally, you're just figuring it out. Now I'm at a point where I don't have to figure it out. I need to make it better. I need to scale it. And I think at that point, I became a different type of person who was ready to have investors, who was ready to have that much money, that responsibility. Because it's just like buying stuff. Once you have investors, it's not just the CEO that owns that company. It's the investors. Like yep. if I own stock in Amazon, you guys better perform the way you're telling your shareholders you're going to perform. You no longer work for yourself. You work for me now, right? Because I'm taking time out, time, money, and energy, and I need you to give me an ROI. To me, that makes me want to work harder. To yes, me, right. I think that puts me in a space that I thought I could never be in. And so my level up came and now the desire to have investors, the desire to operate like a CEO and, and have my head high. Versus like, hey, world, do you like this? Are we good at this? It's like, no, we're great at this. Now, how do we scale this to change the world even more? And so I think from a bootstrap perspective, it's just getting yourself to that point where you want to scale your business, not just make sure your business is working properly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it works good. But how can we, and now what we're doing is like, let's enhance this member experience. Get you to a point where you come in, we ask you a series of questions, and we tell you where you need to go on the app, and then we can confirm you're going to get results, right? I want to be a data-oriented driven business where we amplify in a wealth builders community app, we open 500 brokerage accounts in one week. 
we can go, you know, like, and that, and that to me is change when I can quantify that. And we have the resources to do it, but now let's put the people in place, the great talent that costs money in place to be able to scale and do those things. And so I think I never wanted to raise capital. I just thought it was a space that I never belonged in mm -hmm. because of lack of belief in myself, because those people did not look like me. But now I'm in a space where I understand why people raise capital. And for me to take this business to the next level, to impact as many lives as possible, taking on investors could be a direction that we go. But Ashley Fox is the CEO, needs to be a lot more strategic in the direction that she's going to go, not just with her mind and her heart, but be able to back it up on paper. And I think that's the transition that I'm going through. Um, so yeah, so I'm not against raising capital. I was once afraid to raise capital. I didn't think that was a space I belonged in. But at the same time, it's like, well, why not? If it can change the world even more and, and close this economic wealth gap, by no, by all means, go ahead and do what you do because you're the only person that stopped for you. And that was all in my head. And now it's like, hey, how about I unlearn that thought and relearn how it should be and how I actually want it to be. Absolutely. I told you, I was like, oh, you, you already have it. I said, you have it. <laughs> As a founder, a CEO, the product, the community, the market size. Like when I think about all the things that you have to have aligned to raise capital, if that's your path, Ashley, let me tell you, she has it. So you know, I look forward to seeing what comes next as she scales her uh, company. Uh, so Ashley, where can people find you? Um, I know you're all on social media, but where's the best place where people can find you? Um, so to learn more about our Wealth Builders Community app, just go to wealthbuilderscommunity.com. Um, on social media, I am at underscore Ashley M. Fox. Um, on my page, you can see the company Empathize. So Empathize is like the parent that births the Wealth Builders Community. Um, and so you can go well for this community on Instagram, underscore Ashley M. Fox. You can check out Empify. Um, I'm very good with responding to messages, emails, DMs, and all of that. So if you guys have questions, if you're looking to get started, you want to ask and get more resources around building wealth, uh, we definitely have a lot of free resources. Definitely encourage everyone to join the community, especially if you're in a space where you need to be around like-minded, driven, wealth-building people. Um, definitely think that's a space for individuals to be in um, and get in while you can, because we getting we're getting bigger every day. And the way my brain is wired, we're we're literally going to change the dynamic of how our community is ran, the love and support that people receive, and the results that we're producing. Thank you, thank you, Ashley. I know this is only the beginning for everything you're creating. So, as she said, get in, guys. Like this is the moment. Like building wealth is something that you can start at any time in your life and beginning to change just your mindset around finances and how you begin to create this life that you imagine or even haven't possibly imagined. And so want to thank you, Ashley, for joining us on From Solid Ground to Resilient. And until next time, we'll see y'all later. Thanks for listening to From Solid Ground to Resilient with me, your host, Savitra Wilson. If you like this show, subscribe, listen, and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This helps us reach more people like yourselves, risk takers, entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs, and the likes. Also, be sure to visit SavitraWilson.com and sign up for my newsletter. There you can download everything from my actual pricing sheets to pitch decks, capability statements, and more. All to help you get your entrepreneur wheels turning and your business growing. To learn more about my show and listen to all my podcast episodes, go to abfc.co backslash shows. Until next time, remember, even if no one sees it for you, you have to see it for yourself. Let your work be a testament to your grit, 
gratitude, passion, persistence, and most importantly, resiliency. 